Who is wise? The one who learns from others. Join me on a journey where I speak to Jewish women from all different backgrounds, each sharing their own stories, struggles, and successes. Be a part of a community where you connect to something greater than yourself. I'm your host, Karen Corin, and welcome to Soul Sessions with KK. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Soul Sessions with KK. I'm your host, Karen Corin, and this is my first podcast. Wow, guys, it's extremely nerve-wracking to do a podcast because A, who likes to hear their voice on an audio recording or even a video recording? but I'm facing my fears. A little bit about me. I'm a married mom of four children. I live in Long Island, New York, and I live in a Persian Jewish community, which is very traditional, and that's how I grew up. I grew up very traditional, and I went to public school pretty much my whole life. I connected to Judaism mostly when I went to Queens College, and where I studied media and communications. I always wanted to be an MTV VJ. For those of you who don't know what a VJ is, it's a video jockey. Yes, I know, it's extinct. (laughs) But I basically wanted to introduce music videos on MTV. I'm definitely not doing that, but I think podcasting kind of, you know, fulfills that desire of mine. So here I go. I was working at MTV Studios at a time where I was really fascinated with Orthodox Judaism because a lot of people who went to Queens College were Orthodox Jews. And even though my congregation is Orthodox and I come from a mainly Orthodox community, I never experienced um, Ashkenazi people who were Orthodox or I didn't really learn so much about my religion. And I went on Birthright Israel in 2002, I believe. Wow, that was ages ago. And from there, from that point on, that's when I started really discovering my heritage, my culture, my traditions, religious beliefs, practices, and I couldn't stop. I went from one birthright trip to another one, to another one. I became a madricha, and then I started to work for Hadassah. I said bye-bye to MTV. And I started to work for Jewish causes because I really believed in them. And I landed at Asha Torah, and I was an event planner there for a few years. And enough about me, but I want to tell you a little bit about what I do right now. I'm currently a college teacher in my community where I teach new brides about all the laws of family purity. And I also teach them about relationships and marriage and intimacy. And I really, really love doing that. I also, I do tour classes and I do public speaking events, which I really love to do. And it's my honor and privilege to do it for my community. But the main thing that I do that I absolutely love is I have a program for the youth and young girls about empowerment and self-esteem and life skills. And I call it Tween Queens. It's currently run at camps and schools in New York. And I basically discuss different issues and I facilitate discussions about everything a young girl is going through, whether it's how to navigate their friendships or it's how to deal with their parents or how to go through their all their emotions that they're going through and their changes that they're going through, through puberty, I am there because I think there is a big need for this in yeshivas and public schools alike. So what inspired, why am I telling you this? Because my daughter is my inspiration behind what I'm doing with these girls. My daughter inspired me to do this, my oldest daughter, Adina, because my daughter was diagnosed with alopecia at three years old. Alopecia is an autoimmune condition where the body attacks the hair follicles. So alopecia can go from having small patches, small bald patches on your head, to having a completely bald head, to overall uh, hair loss. So that could be that you don't have any eyelashes, or any eyebrows. 
my daughter has full body hair loss so she doesn't have hair on her head or anywhere for that matter so i had it was i went through a very very dark period in my life where i had pretty much no one to turn to because i didn't know of anyone i mean i only know i only knew one person who had <clears throat> children with alopecia but that was a long time ago but i didn't have anyone who was experiencing it currently who just had it and i remember so vividly charlene aminoff of galley's couture wigs who approached me and told me to contact liba yaffe liba yaffe changed my entire life around and she is one of my greatest friends today she is the reason why i'm doing this podcast today because i am going to be interviewing her right now and I would like to introduce to you Liba Yaffe of Spirit Fit Fitness. Welcome, Liba, to Soul Sessions. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. It's an honor and privilege to have you. And this is my first podcast, as I've mentioned before. And it's really so amazing that I'm having you as my guest. Can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself, what you do? Sure. Okay, so um, I currently live in Phoenix, Arizona, and I've been a in-person trainer, personal trainer, for about 11 years. Um, I have my own gym here, a studio here um, for in-person training, and I recently um, changed over to online training. Um, my whole business moved on to online, and I did that because I want to, you know, I believe in the whole health of a person, and when someone just comes to train, all you do is teach them exercises and they go home, and it doesn't create lasting change. So my mission and my job is to help women become strong inside and outside, so to focus a lot wow. on your mindset, habit change, and really create long-term change um, as a whole of a person. That's incredible, Liba. So this is one of the reasons why Liba is a very good friend of mine. Uh, Liba, can you tell us if anything inspired you to do this, to open this business up? Um, yes. So I have a daughter. So this is me and um, Karen Evans is in common. We both um, have little daughters who have alopecia. And my daughter, Tehila, um, she started losing her hair at the age of about two and a half. Um, in the beginning, it was, you know, really difficult. And, I, and um when me and my husband realized that it was up to us as parents to empower her. You know, our mindset and our approach to how she will feel as she grows up is based on us and our and our like behavior towards her and our beliefs. So I needed to come and my husband needs to come to a place that we completely, completely um, love the way she, just the way she is and empower her to love that about herself. So, um, and that's I mean, really, right. how did you do that? I mean, that's so hard. You know, when I was experiencing my daughter's hair loss, I, it was very hard for me to change my mindset and mentality just like that. It took me a very, very long time to accept it. And I must say, I give a lot of credit to you because you gave me lots of skills and empowerment sessions to accept it and to deal with it in a proper manner. But, again, I needed you. I needed therapy. I needed so much. And I also had to experience a lot of sadness and pain in order for me to accept it. So how did you go about shifting your mindset? You know, yeah. So when she first started losing her hair, I, I never even heard of alopecia. Um, I, I was at the doctor, and they told me she has alopecia, and I literally ran home and Googled it. Um, and I was like, no way. This is this is not true. Like, it's not possible. Okay, her hair will fall off. Of course it's going to come back, right? And my husband was like, yeah, totally. Like, I did. I, I thought, like, it's there's no way it's not going to return. Like, it might fall out. It might come back, right? And my mm -hmm. husband made it a point to tell me, like, her hair might never come back. And I was, like, angry. You know, like, I was angry at him. Like, how could you, how dare you say that? So right. there was a, a process that I went through, you know, um, accepting the fact that her hair might never come back. Um, and I think it, it's my personality that I'm, like, you know, 
I'm more logical, so I'm able to see a problem and understand it and say, okay, I need to work past this. Um, you know, How so, long did that process take you? I mean, was it like a month? So, no, not at all. It? I mean, there were steps. There were there were steps to how, you know, steps to where to get to where I am. So there's a steps of acceptance. It's not just one day you wake up and you fully accept it, right? There's, you know, level. So over time, it became more and more and more, right? In the beginning, it was accepting her, you know, that her hair might not come back. And then it was accepting, you know, the fact that um, other people steered her. And then it was the fact of not even caring if her hair ever grows back, not even dreaming about it, not even forgetting about it. You know, so there's levels, and it it took, you know, takes time. It's not an overnight process. Wow. And when she, when that happened to her, did she realize anything? Because I think my daughter, when it happened to her, she didn't notice it. She really didn't notice anything about it. She, you know, one day she just went into the shower when she had her, like, last strand of hair falling out. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, Mommy, look, my hair. Right. So I think – one of the things that really helped us is that it happened to them at such a young age where they didn't really identify with their hair as being a girl, you know? So what do you think about that? Well, me and my husband always say, like, we were so blessed that, that their her hair fell out, Tila's hair fell out when she was so young that it wasn't – the process wasn't traumatizing. It was more traumatizing tra- for us. Right. Right. It was right. it was traumatizing for the parents, but we had a chance to work through that before she was old enough to understand. Exactly. Exactly. It was traumatizing for us. And I think as parents, and not only parents who have children with alopecia, but parents who have children with anything, you know, it's a challenge for all of us because everybody has a child that has something that either it's an issue, it's a learning disability, or maybe it's a sickness or a disease and they're ashamed of it, what would you, you know, what kind of advice would you offer to those parents who have a child that has something that they're maybe a little bit ashamed of or, you know, something that they don't talk about with other people? Because, honestly, with alopecia, it's something that everybody could see, you know? There's nothing to hide. It's there. Right. Well, well yeah. what about well, people that, who are experiencing something that you can't see, and how do they accept that? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a very good point. Well, first of all, people do hide alopecia. Most, I would say, probably 90% of the, you know, girls who have alopecia do hide it. Um, yeah. How, they how, how might they hide it? They can. They either wear a wig, um, or they wear a hat, and. For me, I was determined that my my daughter Tehila should never feel that she needs to wear something to cover herself up to hide something. So if she chooses to wear a wig or she chooses to wear a hat, it's because she likes it. She likes how she looks. She might like how she looks better with a wig on, but it's not because she has to hide something. A child should never have to live with a secret. Wow. So you know that wow. was something I um, was determined to make sure that she didn't feel that way and I uh, tell parents who are who feel shame that it's hard to hear this and it's harsh but it's an insecurity within the parent we, you know and a lot of times the parents will actually tell me you know I'll have parents call me and say my kid's suffering it feels so terrible and I see the kid and I'm like you're suffering you know you're you're, you're suffocating your kid because you mm-hmm. you are so scared that they're going to get hurt or you're not letting them you know you're not letting them experience like to empower them you're not, you know, it's something that's coming from within your own insecurity. You, you're scared people are going to judge you. You know, kids, you know, people stare at us, my daughter, all the time. I could tell you stories of names people called her, egghead, baby. You know, people move exactly. away because she has cancer. And we my, we laugh when that happens. Like, not laugh, make fun. We, we like, it's a joke. We're like, oh, my God, the person thinks I'm sick. It's so funny. And the, right. the only reason why she could feel that way is because she feels 100%, not even – one ounce, meaning if you are 90 but not 100%, your kid will feel that you don't, like, accept them, you're, you're embarrassed of them, whatever it is, that, like, we, it's not even, like, it doesn't even matter. It's not an insult. When someone stares at you, it's not an insult. Smile back at them. It's not something to be ashamed of. It's not, if someone talks about you, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. So you matter. coach your daughter in this? 
yes, she would come home and she would say, someone made fun of me, right? We'd be at the park and she would say, she was four years old and she would say, you know, somebody made fun of me. They said, you don't have any hair. And I said, so do you have any hair, right? My, my, and I knew that my, my purpose was at this time, I'm not going to make her into a pity case. So she she's a very strong personality. So she knows how to like get her way, manipulate. So that she's coming over to see like make if I'll feel bad enough for her, right? And then I'll give her whatever she wants or whatever it is, more attention. So I said to her like, are they are they saying you don't have hair? She's like, yes. I'm like, do you have hair? No. Right. Okay, right. Cool. Exactly. Like, who cares? So, so and we walk right back over to those kids right then and there and and just talk to them and play with them. So there's no pitying, you know. Exactly. Well, Liba, so our daughters are very different, and I think mm-hmm. we're also very different in our parenting right. styles and personalities. So my daughter, yes, she is very confident, and but she's very shy. She won't express her feelings. She's not the type of girl who will come up to me and say, Mommy, someone came up to me and said, I'm bald. Mommy, someone, right. you know, made this comment to me, and someone was whispering in another girl's ear and looking at me. She doesn't say that to me. Right. So what would you suggest to parents like me who have children who are more introverted? Maybe they're not, you know, it's not like they're not confident. They're confident. They just, they don't, they're not talkative. So um, you suggest, like, when she comes home, when your child comes home, hi, how was your day? You know, what would you suggest to parents who have introverted children and they have a challenge like that mm-hmm. who aren't outspoken? So, right. So, I mean, not – right, you're saying, like, not all kids are expressive, and when you do ask them questions, they don't like it, right? They, like, shrug right. you off. They don't They don't like Exactly. The they don't know? like to talk about pain, painful situations. Right. So, depending, like, everybody knows their kids, you know, a little bit different how they work. Some kids do that because they want to avoid – they want to, uh, like, avoid feeling, right? So they don't like mm-hmm. – they don't want to, to like, feel a strong emotion. They're nervous. They're scared of it. So – it depends if you feel as a parent that they need to, like, they need to um, feel certain things in order for them to be healthy, right? So you can't force a kid to say something, but you would talk about it in front of them. You would talk right. about just emotions, you know. Something that different. I went through. Right. Right. Or even, you know, oh, I saw someone was staring at you before. Like, what do you feel when people, like, is it, is it hard for you? And she might say, mm, right? She, would say, mm. she might just say one word, whatever it is, you know? But, like, you're talking about it around her, and she's getting comfortable, you know, kids are, the kid is getting comfortable around emotion. Right. And, you get comfortable you know, with her emotions. Right. 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 So I remember, I vividly remember this, that when it first happened to me, and you were one of my biggest support, you know, support people, and I was often coming to you for advice. And I remember one of the things that you told me so vividly. You told me, Karen, you need to be, you need to talk about it more. You know, right. don't, don't not talk about alopecia. Like there's like a right. big elephant in the room. Right. And right. you definitely changed my perspective and you changed the way I spoke about alopecia. Like it was nothing to hide it was not like a taboo subject and I felt like in the beginning I wasn't talking about it because I didn't want to bring it out to the surface I didn't want to stir these emotions in her and make her think about it or make her have a complex and you were like no Karen you don't have to like talk about it all day long but you can bring it up and tell her yeah Dina you need to go out with a hat or you need to put sunblock on your head because you are bold. You have alopecia, and it's nothing to be ashamed of. It is what it is, you know? Right. So I thank you for that piece of advice. (laughs) And, you know, I also, with the wig thing, you were were mentioning it before that you don't force her to put a wig on. If she wants to put a wig on, great. You know, if she wants to put a hat on, okay, that's how she feels good about herself, let her do it. But you won't force it onto her. And actually, you were the one of the first people when I was going through this rough time. You were one of the first people who told me, Karen, you don't need to put a wig on her. You don't need to force her and put into her head that she has to wear a wig in order to feel beautiful. You know, everybody was running around giving me advice. Go and get a wig from here. Go and do this. Go and do that. Everybody wanted to, like, help me fix the problem. And you were the first people to tell me, 
you don't need to fix this. You don't need to fix it. You just have to accept it. And that those words changed my life, and it changed the way I raised her and all my children. So I want to thank you for that. Awesome. <laughs> really, I want to thank you for that. Um, what techniques worked for you that helped you cope with it that you didn't mix your fe- like her feelings with yours? Because I'll give you an example. Like when this first happened to me and she lost all her hair, mm-hmm. I was so livid. I was so emotional that, you know, I went to my therapist at the time because I definitely needed therapy when I was experiencing this. Right. And I told my therapist right away, I was like, I want to shave all my hair off. I don't want to have hair. If she doesn't have hair, I don't want to have hair. And I told my therapist, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to take my shaver, and I'm going to shave all my hair off. Right. I'm getting emotional right now because speaking about this really, you know, it evokes lots of emotions. Mm-hmm. Sorry. It's hard. Actually, no, I'm not sorry. Mm-hmm. Because we shouldn't apologize for our emotions. It's true. And I remember what my therapist told me. She said, Sharon, you will not shave your hair because this is her battle. Right. It's her battle, not yours. You know? Right. And I think this is such an important message for all parents that when our children are going through something, we so badly we want to save them and we want to, like, protect them from the dangers and the problems and the pains of the world. So we're like, we we want to do it with you. But we have to let them experience it on their own. Right. You know? And so, like, what would you say to that? How did you... How did you deal with that without having her pain to be your pain, but still right. feel pain for her? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's a really a really big topic because it's really hard as parents to separate your emotion from your kid's mm-hmm. emotion, right? It's like against our nature. Like we just want to like bear hug everything. Um, mm-hmm. I think that for me, um, something that I went through that um, – some adults in my life, they were very emotionally heavy. That as a kid, there was it was very hard for me to be to express my own emotions, right? So if I had if I was feeling pain, I would hold it in because I didn't want to, you know, cause others to worry, to cause others mm-hmm. to have pain. And mm-hmm. I was very determined that my child should always feel safe to be like weak, quote unquote, right? To be sad, have whatever it is, have their struggles. Right. And they're, you know, come crying and someone made fun of them in school and and um, me to be able to not, you know, give over an emotion like of heaviness to that kid. Like, um, I can hold you in my hand and I'm okay. I'll be there for you. So that was something that I was very aware of and, 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 I, and I really, really was determined to um, make that happen. Um, in the yeah. beginning, in the beginning we went to uh, like a child, a psychologist to talk about certain things, um, how to cope with stuff. You know, I had some good mentors in my life that gave me some really good advice um, how to deal with certain things. My husband was, from day one, n- never, yeah. like, blinked an eye. Like, I don't know what it, it is, but he literally didn't accepted it from, like, the first day, like, but wholeheartedly. So that helped me out a lot. Our husbands were very similar in that sense, I yeah, think. amazing. <laughs> we couldn't have done it without our husbands, and it's so important, as you said, to have an amazing support system, right. an amazing support system, because we cannot battle this stuff alone. Question again. Okay, Liba, can you tell us about a support system that you have started that has helped many parents who have children with alopecia or who they have it themselves? Yes. So um, a few years ago, we started with another family um from Williamsburg, an organization called Heroes, and Heroes. we we wanted our yeah our our children to have, you know I think that part of the journey of that helped Tahila was that she had exposure to other people who had alopecia, and right mm-hmm. before we knew people had alopecia, we would show her videos or anything with pictures of people with alopecia, and we wanted mm-hmm. her to actually have 
children that she can play with and see and be around to empower her. Even though we didn't feel specifically she was struggling with it, we knew that it's that it's hard to be the only one in the room always to go out in the world and look different. So we started this organization called Heroes, and we, you know, we ran events, carnivals, um, and yes, and Adina was part of them. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Karen's daughter Adina and my daughter, and there's like three, four other girls that are similar age, and they all have bald heads, and they're so cute running around together. Um, Adorable. Yeah, it's so empowering because uh, uh, the first event that we ran. There were there was my daughter with bald head, um, Karen's daughter with her bald head, and there's three other little girls with wigs on. And right, I forgot how it played out, but my daughter said something to them like, "Why do you take off your wig? Do you have hair?" Like she was wondering if they have hair, like hair under that thing. And they mm-hmm. went to the bathroom together. They were seven, and they took off their wigs for the first time in their lives in public. They've wow. never taken off their wigs. So the empowerment of being around children that were confident with alopecia was mm-hmm. beyond, like, you know, this gave, the parents said this gave them, like, you know, like confidence for months afterwards. Even though they went out, they went out, they put their wig back on, but they know that they came out and showed their head to the world proud, you know? so oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. So I think that when a child has something that they're struggling with, I think one of the most important things that a parent can do for that child is to provide them with other peers who are probably going through the same thing, right? Right. Yes. Um, um, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's not always you can find someone else going through the same thing. It could be like a similar type of thing. But, or a mentor um, or anything. Right. Support, a support system, and specifically for a little kid, kids are very exactly. visual. So they're not sitting there talking about their problems. Believe me, they don't even exactly. talk about the fact that they don't have hair. They just need to look at each other. And they're like, awesome, we're twins, you know? <laughs> Exactly, exactly. So Adina, like, she never really expressed her feelings about Mm -hmm. being at these events, but I could tell from the smile on her face and saying, when is the next event, that she actually really does wonders for her confidence and for her overall self-esteem, you know? But what about for those kids, Liba, that, you know, they don't walk around proud of their so-called weaknesses or their imperfections, you know, what about for those kids that also they have something that they're ashamed of? How 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 would we empower them, those kids that, you know, it didn't get into their head that they should be proud and confident, you know, besides therapy, obviously. I mean. Right, right. Um, so, so your question is how do you empower children who don't, who don't feel confident? Um, yeah, like maybe those children that don't want to walk around with right. their head out to the world, that they want to hide it. So right. if it's with alopecia, that they want to walk around all the time with a wig or a hat mm-hmm. or someone who has, you know, someone who has diabetes, a child who has diabetes that hides the fact that they have to constantly, you know, take insulin and all of that. Right, right. With right. their machine. So- Right. So I would say, like, no, you don't have to. It's not, there's no better, there's no right, right? So it's not better to say, here I am, look at, you know, I'm I'm a open slate. You could see my, you know, my, that I'm bald on the outside. It's not better or worse to wear a wig. But if you, this, if it's a secret, meaning I know kids who have alopecia and wear wigs all the time, but everybody knows around them that it's a wig and they have alopecia, right? Mm-hmm. So. There is no mm-hmm. way, and this this is like yes, black and white. If a kid, even an adult, we had adults at our event that never told people or shared this about themselves since they were a kid. They have this secret, and it's it's so heavy. Horrible, that, like, you know. It's horrible. A kid should never have to do that. And you know, I, that's I bring it back to the parent because it's it's um, you know, some kids are not naturally ashamed. It's you know, children that's are. So true. Unbashful. So it's, it doesn't come from a kid. And when parents blame it, oh, my kid's particularly shy, that, that, that's not, that's not how it goes. A kid doesn't, is not born with being embarrassed, you know? Right. Right. I mean, some are, if it's probably in the, in their home. Right. The way they're brought up or something. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, there are some kids who are born shy. They are, like, in their genes. Right. But at sure, the same time, sure. it can develop and, 
they become more confident when their environment is supporting that, you know? Right, 100%. Um, yeah. yeah, I think I just, I see it so much, not only in my community, but in all communities, all the Jewish communities across the world, that there's so much shame, so much shame and secrecy and silence, um, you know, about diseases or ailments. I'm not even talking about alopecia. I'm just talking about anything. Right. There's right. so much stigma about people having certain sicknesses or weaknesses or diseases that everything has to be hush, hush, you know, right. because nobody wants anyone to know that there's something wrong with them or that there's something in their family, that there's something wrong in their gene pool and that because, you know, because if some, someone knows about you, then you're not going to get married, you're not going to go far in life. Everything has to be appeared as being perfect. We have this problem with appearing as perfect, right? Right. So, no, I mean, do I suggest parents or children going on top of a mountain and going on a loudspeaker and saying, I have this, you know, right. shout it out to the world. But at the same time, you know, do we suggest for them to keep it a secret and push it under the rug? No. So how can people accept it and be open with their weaknesses or imperfections or insecurities or things that, let's say, people don't want to, people don't necessarily know about? How can people be, take away the shame? The more that it's talked about and the more that people see that people are open, other people that are, let's say, hiding things feel more safe to talk, right? So mm-hmm. people are more mm-hmm. thinking that, like, going to therapy used to be, like, big, bad secret. As if something's wrong, they go to therapy as opposed to you're actually uh, on a higher level because you're taking care of your emotional health, right? So it's mm-hmm. becoming much more acceptable. Now, for what how I see it is, like, if we're, you know, God-fearing Jews and we believe in God, then how why, how could we feel so strongly to keep something a secret? Where's your faith? Like, where where'd your faith go in this? You, if you believe in God, believe that you don't have to hide a secret that people won't marry your child or, you know, whatever your fear is, you, yeah, that's like a lack of faith, you know? Right. But who who would they share it with? Who are the appropriate people that they can share well, something with? So depending on, I mean, it's a very, you know, some people are very private and they don't like to share. They're not of very course. open, you know, so that's fine. Not everyone has to tell everybody everything. But, um, you know, close friends and family members, there shouldn't be, you know, people don't share the fact that if they have cancer, they'll, they'll keep it a secret from their own children. And that just creates more pain for everybody. So, of course, you know, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you find a mentor or you find, you know, close friends, close family members that you that you share with. And if it's a child, the child should just be free. You know, parents will will make their kid not say things. They'll say, this is something you can't tell anybody, right? So mm-hmm. the parents might not tell anybody, but if the kid goes out and tells everybody, then the parents need to be okay with that and not try to hush the kid up, you know? Right. Or maybe they can tell their child. You know, maybe you don't want to go and tell these people because they're not close to you or, you like, you right. don't know them so well, but you can tell someone that you really trust, someone right. that is trustworthy, right? Right, exactly, yeah. Right, yeah. wow. Okay, so I wanted to ask you something else. Um, sure. How has your daughter's alopecia, how did it affect your other children? Because I'll tell you for me, um, sometimes when my daughter goes out in public, right. not only do people like stare at her and they're like, ooh, like they never saw that before, you know, right. but I also get a very positive reaction to the point where like people are buying her gifts or right. like making me cut the line when I'm going to Sesame right. Place. Like they think, God forbid, she has cancer. And then right. my other kids would be like, hey, how come, how come Adina got that candy from that person, you know? Right. Or, right. you know, just I think they get better treatment 
from the outside and it affects my other children and makes them feel like, oh, what? I'm not special? You know, right. there was a time in my life where, like, my other kids were trying to get attention from me or my husband because maybe they felt like I was giving too much attention or my daughter was getting more attention from their family or friends than them. Right. So how did that affect you, and what did you do with your other kids? Um, so I, I, this is actually um, a topic that I once spoke to someone, like a mentor of mine about, and I was like, is it okay if someone offers her something, should I, like, say no, 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 you know, and say, like, oh, she's not sick, like, she doesn't need that free thing or be cut in line. And she told me, she's like, well, she's like, listen, she does have alopecia. She is different. So let her, like, get some perks, you know? And that's how mm-hmm. we look at it. It's like, like a fun game. Like, if she gets something for free, it's like, ooh, perks, you know? But, it's, you know, it's like, ooh, yeah, she knows. She's like, oh, my gosh, they think I'm sick. They're giving it to me for free. She's like, oh, it'll be like something we laugh about. It's like we whisper. We have a, we have a secret that nobody else knows that, like, they, they think I'm sick. You know what I mean? So it's like it's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And with my other kids, bec- meaning it's the same idea of how you relate. To, like anybody has a child who's um, has any certain um, disability difference. You know, there's let's say there's a family and one kid is so different than the others and does everything different, right? Now there's right. parents who go out and they're embarrassed with that kid, or that kid gets more gets more activities, they spend more money on that kid, and everything like that, right? And right. so my kids, I always tell my kids, and I tell my kids about it for everything, is that. Every one of you, you're all different. Some people, you get something, she gets something. Everyone gets something right. different. And I don't right. pity her, so it's not like, oh, she's getting these things. It's not like, meaning he doesn't, my kids don't feel like she's getting this because she has alopecia. It's because she's behaving well. She's helping me. She's, you know, she's, she's, you know, the oldest, whatever it is. It's nothing to do with the alopecia. So it doesn't mm-hmm. cause jealousy because they don't even connect it, you know? Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember what, in the beginning, in the first year, she was bald. I noticed myself as a mother, I was giving her a little bit more special treatment. So, like, if she had a tantrum in public, oh my gosh, I was mortified. And, like, I would do anything to help her stop the tantrum because, hey, I didn't want people staring at her even more because everybody knows when a child is tantruming at a restaurant, all eyes are on that child. And even more eyes are on that child if the child looks particularly different, right? So I remember in the beginning, I was, you know, I was giving her more special treatments, and I do remember my therapist telling me that you need to treat her like she's normal, like she's just like your other kids, you know, because Mm -hmm. just because she has alopecia doesn't mean that she can get away with murder, you know. She can't get away with doing things. She has to. So I wanted to ask you, so our girls got it at a very, very young age where they didn't identify themselves with their hair. Nowadays, when a girl starts turning, well, now I feel like it's even younger, 9, 10, mm-hmm. you know, bat mitzvah age, that's when girls start becoming more self-conscious about their looks. Right. Um, well, I think all kids experience, I mean, all teenagers usually, you know, experience insecurities now. You know, like the most popular girl who has whatever, you know, the dream of body and face and whatever it is that everybody else wants could be the most insecure. So it's not actually about the big nose or the no hair, right? It's actually about, you know, building the confidence, um, like starting, you know, young. And if a kid gets it when they're older, hopefully they have enough of a backbone that they it doesn't destroy them completely, right? And they might mm-hmm. go through a process of, of, like, you know, going down first very hard and everything. But if they have enough of a backbone of confidence, then they'll be able to come out on top. Um, like my daughter's ten now, and she she's you know she's totally aware of everything and the fact that she looks different and and she has she's getting a new wig right now from like a wonder wig made for her so she could have a pony like everybody else and she mm-hmm. plays with it in the mirror for like she'll go to the bathroom for an hour and look at herself in the mirror and she she wants to see what it feels like to swim with hair and what it feels like with your hair to fly in the wind and she does all these things right mm-hmm. and she mm-hmm. experiences it and it meaning and it's coming it's it's not like a sad thing it's like she wants to see what it feels like. She wants to have that hair, and it's not because she's embarrassed of who she is. It's because she just wants to try, you know, try it out. She wants to be like everybody else sometimes. She just, you know, and she right. wants to, you know. So it's it's really. And there's the, nothing wrong um, with that. 
Right. Right, and, 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 you know, by trying to cover up and, and heal your kids, like, insecurity, oh, it's okay, and then it's not gonna, you know, it does, it, you need to be able to empower them. So by empowering them, it's not pitting them, it's not feeling bad for them trying to fix it up. You know, and say, oh, mm-hmm. you know, you really are beautiful. You know what I mean? It's really like a real, um, a real, like, emotion. Genuine compliment. Yeah. Right, right. Right. Yeah, you know, what do you think of altering someone's looks when it, their looks are really debilitating them, their overall confidence. Right. So, so let's think, say, you know, yeah. let's say a girl um, is very insecure about her nose. What do you think right. about her getting a nose job when she's 18 years old? Or let's say a girl thinks she's fat. I hate that word. Right. <laughs> um, do you think it's okay for her to alter the way she looks? And what means? By what means? Um, so I actually just um, read this amazing thing about this topic, and I was talking about how when you, you know, you like the way you look, right, which is physical, you it brings you confidence, right? So if you're somebody who like loves to wear a lot of makeup, it's if it's not for other people and it's just for yourself, then. Mm-hmm. When you go out in the world and you're face full of makeup, you feel great, right? And you don't care what anyone else is going to say. If your makeup looks good, you internally feel great. So as soon as it becomes a cover-up for other people, it becomes I'm embarrassed, I'm ashamed, then that doesn't it's not going to help the person create confidence. And it comes from a place of when I look in the mirror and no one's there and I look better to myself, it makes them, you know, that is when it's like I think it's, I think do anything you want, you know, get a nose job, change your hair, you know, whatever it is, wear heels every second because you'll, you'll walk out in the world as a more confident person and it's for yourself. So, you know, Mm -hmm. so you're doing it. So if you're doing it for yourself, then it's fine for a girl to alter the way she looks, whether it's through surgery or exercise or anything else. Is that what you're Um, saying? Yeah, I think so. I think that, that, um, that if they if they're really being true and honest to themselves and that you know and they they love themselves they just they just you know would love to whatever it is just particularly then go for it why not you know yeah okay. yeah I mean I I guess I disagree a little bit and mm-hmm. I mean I think I disagree in the sense where like I feel like it's never enough right that when you change one thing about yourself. Then you want to change another thing about yourself, and it's just a never-ending cycle of trying to fix your outside. But I think that if at your core you keep building yourself and your inside and you value yourself in- internally first, right. then on the outside you don't need to do so much on the outside to feel good about yourself. Now, am I saying that you should walk around like a slump? And you should look bad. Right. No, you could do everything in your nature to make yourself look good without having to go, let's say, like under the knife. But right. again, right. if it's if, right. if if someone has worked so hard on themselves and they really truly love themselves inside and they're confident and they're secure within themselves, and they still hate their nose and they know that having a nose job will really, like, do wonders for their self-esteem, then, okay, that's another story. Right. But I don't believe in, like, this constant, like, you know, this pressure to, like, do something else with how you look, that you have to go to plastic surgeon, you have to do this. You know, with women our age, now it's Botox. Botox is all everybody's talking about. And I just think it's a never-ending treatment and it never gets to the core so i mean that's just my opinion no we we, we agree it's just i'm just uh you saying the same thing that i was saying i was just i didn't emphasize the fact that they have to get to a place of confidence first and know really why they're doing it you know yes 100 percent. wonderful and you know another thing that you mentioned before so adina actually in the last couple of months she's been playing around with my wigs Mm-hmm. And she's been wearing my wig to school, to her 
family, you know, her cousin's homes. And in the beginning, I was kind of like, wait, no, <laughs> like, it's too early, you know, because I got so used to her being confident and out in the world, being bold and fearless, literally, and, you know, figuratively. She went out to the world without her hat, without a waist, and then I was like, oh, my gosh, she doesn't like how she looks anymore, you know? Right. So right. it took me a while to accept it, and then I was like, you know what? She likes how she feels right. in the wig. Right. Let her be. And whenever she wants to wear one of my wigs, and we are actually in the process of trying to find a wig for her. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get that, I am letting her play with my wigs. If she wants to wear one of my hats, why not? Go for it. Whatever makes her feel beautiful. But I think we can agree after this whole conversation that how we look on the outside or something that we have internally, whatever someone has, that doesn't define us overall. That's just one part of ourselves, and it's not supposed to define us. Would you agree with that? For sure. Yeah. And I think just across the board for any parents that when your child is struggling with something, we cannot make that something all about who they are, right? Right, definitely. And I I do remember that you really, really helped me embrace that, that Karen, her life does not have to be about her alopecia, Right. you know? And you were one of the people that really helped me to just stop running around from doctor to doctor, treatment to treatment, you know, one homeopath here, a doctor over there, a healer over here. And I just made my entire life and her entire life about her lack, right? right? Her lack of hair. And I feel like nowadays so many parents, they're running around, keeping themselves busy, trying to fix their kids, trying to run around finding a cure, finding a treatment, going from doctor to doctor to fix something. And I think acceptance is the first part of healing. Right. Definitely. 100%. for, For yourself and for your child. And, yeah, as you said before, it could take a long time. It could take a really long time to get to that place of acceptance. I don't know about you, but when my daughter was diagnosed, I I was mourning. I I had like seven days of mourning. And, you know, people might think, that's ridiculous. But what is mourning? Mourning is you're experiencing a loss. Right. We experience a big loss in our life. Like that we envisioned, I mean, I don't know about you, but I envisioned, my life for my daughter that, like, you know, she would have hair. I would, like, braid her hair, even though I don't know how to braid. <laughs> but, you know, I had this vision for my daughter, and I was mourning a loss of that vision. Right. And I think that when I finally accepted it after months, that right. that was my first step towards healing. Right. And empowerment. And I think both of our experiences led us to use the pain to do something good. Right. You know, you have this fantastic, wonderful program that you do for ladies of all ages, and you do it across the world. And I really applaud you for bringing your personal training program pro- program online so that everyone right. can experience feeling good from the inside out. And right. you motivated me to push myself against my limit, you know, that working out and doing physical activity is extremely important for our mental health. Right. And I think one of the things that I did that empowered me because of my daughter's experience is, you know, using the pain and doing something good with it is that I have a program for girls, for tween and teen girls, Mm -hmm. where we do life skills. It's a girl empowerment program where I teach them life skills like self-esteem and how to navigate through friendships and how to deal with your different emotions. And all of that is what I do at camps and schools in New York. 
And I think that if I didn't have this experience with my own daughter, I probably would have never thought of this idea. And I think a lot of what happened to you motivated you to do these things for women. Right. Definitely. You know? So I think one message that we can take away, I mean, a lot of messages that we can take away from this show, but one of them is that when we're going through something painful or our children are going through something painful, not only should we accept it eventually, but also use that pain to do something good for the world. And I know that you helped me when I was going through this very dark time in my life. And because you helped me, it like I paid it forward. Right. I paid it forward. And I helped other people who are not only experiencing a childhood alopecia or people came up to me who had alopecia themselves and were ashamed about it, but also mm-hmm. people who had other different hardships right. or difficulties with their kids. Right. And they felt comfortable coming up to me, and people co- feel comfortable coming up to you, and we are able to help them, right? Mm-hmm. So support mm-hmm. is so important, so yeah. important. And I want to I wanna thank you for coming and being my guest on this podcast. Your advice, really, your advice has been tremendous, and it's no doubt going to help so many people out there who are listening today. And can you tell people where they can find you, Liba? Yes. So um, you can find me on my Instagram name is Spirit Fit Mama, and um, I'm also Facebook. It's it's under my name, Liba Yaffe. Liba Yaffe. Can you spell your last name? Y O L I B A Y O S F E S S E Y O S S E Liba Yafi. Okay, yeah. you can find her on Instagram, Spirit Fit Mama, and you can find me for more on this at Soul Train KK on Instagram. And I cannot wait for you guys to hear more. Thank you so much, Liba. Thank you. Bye bye. Okay. Bye. If you enjoy this podcast and you want to hear more soul sessions, you can go on SinaiRadio.com or type in Sinai Radio on all major podcast players and you can see a whole bunch of other soul sessions. And if you want to learn more about what I do, you can check out my Instagram page at SoulTrainKK. Have a wonderful day.